This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Cherry Picking. It's episode 37. I know we've been away for a couple of weeks, but um, it's been busy. It's been busy um, away from the channel. And, of course, beside me, I've got our main man, Mr. Manny. How are you doing? All good, mate. All good. Been a long time since we've did some uh, cherry picking, and I'm really glad to be back. And... It's good to catch up with you again after a gap, and I know probably you've been dealing with a few um, things of your own, but um, as always, being in your company always makes me happy. Yep, definitely, definitely, and likewise. And of course, been to Paris recently as well. Um, actually, quite a funny story, actually, about Paris. Um, ooh la so, la, can't ooh wait la to la. hear it. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> to be honest, it was one of those moments where time just just slipping away so i left two hours before getting the Eurostar, and i thought right okay you know friday morning you know it'll be plenty of time you know get there in an hour and then you know i've got an hour at garden old station little did i realize how populated paris is and of course the rugby world cup as well um, <laughs> I got there with 20 minutes to go, but I tell you what, outstanding and so hospitable as well. Um, the French were, you know, in helping me get through all customs. I can't believe it. Customs in about 10 minutes, literally 10 wow. minutes, they got me through there. Um, there was big queues, but they fast tracked me. So, yes, um, <laughs> what an adventure. But yeah amazing time amazing time and yeah i'm sure i'll be out on my travels again very very soon of course if i had missed that train i probably would have missed our game against wolves which let's be honest might not have been the worst possible thing considering it's not good is it it's not good mistakes at the back Iriola is really a man under pressure now, isn't he? We will speak about Iriola, but let me also just start by briefly, uh, you know, paying tribute to Gary O'Neill. I remember you saying, of course, yep. that you were going to give him um, 
uh, a standing ovation. It probably probably would have been basically um, just um, an ovation done by one, but um, certainly well deserved for the role he played um, at Bournemouth while he was there. And it's just a shame that um, a lot of people see it fit to still try to have the sour grapes mentality and say, you know what, we made the right decision in sacking him because, you know, we didn't like the football. And we've got some great football now. We're just making some poor mistakes. But um, to say that he um, was no great shakes at Bournemouth and isn't really doing the business now at Wolves is out of order. I think it's fair to say that um, the game plan that he's been using, which has worked really well with him so far, with uh, a win over Manchester City, a draw against Aston Villa, and now this win over Bournemouth, he's picking up points. He's doing what Iriola is unable to do. And at this stage of the season, the fact that Bournemouth aren't doing well is really a bit of an indictment of how hasty the process was in terms of sacking um, Gary O'Neill and uh, bringing um, Antonio Olin. And my good friend Del Boy Gunner TV, shout out to him, what's the crack, yeah. what's the bleeding story and all that, came in the chat for one of our shows on Oris Talks Football. You know him too, shout out to him. Yeah. And he also made it very clear that the person responsible for sacking Gary O'Neill will have to answer to the fans not too soon before long. And now going back to what you said about the game, yes, there were mistakes. And so it begs the question, can any manager legislate for continuous, continuous mistakes, be it in the defense or attack or in the midfield or in goal from his players? It's like he has a plan, and for several parts of the game, you did look quite good. Yeah. But it was mistakes that that cost you. So, in as much as um, I would um, sympathize with what you're feeling about um, Iriola, I will say for what it's worth, you do have one game against Burnley, which you should be able to win. Yeah. And if you aren't able to get three points from that, then it probably should be um, the end of um, Iriola. And it's tragic and heartbreaking because by all accounts um, intense and by all accounts he seems to be a, a, a smashing fella who yep. had um dreams of wanting to do as well as he could in the premier league and really make a good impression on the club and the fans and it just um hasn't quite worked out despite his best intentions and and you know that is uh that that that's life in a way and you don't really know um there's no real way that you can uh, do very much about it and I think um, we could go into specifics about the mistakes you made, but why don't you tell me if you saw the game and enjoyed it specifically? How did you? What What did you think of the game in particular specifically? And um, what were the things you liked, and what were the things you didn't like? Because maybe then we can try and delve a bit deeper into what's going on. See, the first half, I thought we had more. You know, we, we had more of the possession. We was clever on the ball. You know, the goal was outstanding. Dominic Solanke flicking that goal ball in, you know, and I thought we would kick on from that point. Now, we saw it a couple of weeks back against Brighton, and that was in 16 seconds. I think it was, this one was probably just under two minutes. But... The goal that we conceded, again, was through that centre of midfield, which is meant to be our strongest position. Um, 
and we just got ripped open by the manager that of course we sacked and I think the thing that annoys me with Iriola and the thing that is frustrating is he's a lovely guy you see that on his press conferences he means well you know I have got no doubt that this is probably hurting him as well and now that Bill Foley is in the country you know it kind of hints that he's probably got that dreaded vote of confidence. But the problem is, is we're trying to play and, you know, actually it's quite interesting. It, it feels like we're trying to play an Arsenal style of football. The high press, keeping possession, and it just seems to fall apart. Players' heads go down. We've always known Phil Billing is a confidence player. And he doesn't look himself. He looked a lot better under Gary because he was playing in that more advanced position. You know, he was linking up well with Solanke. This season, it seems like Iriola's trying to get him to do something which he can't physically do. Um, and it's a shame because he is a good player. When played in the right position, he is a good player. The winner for Wolves, well, firstly, you'd expect more from Neto. And anybody could tell, you know, it, and it's it's like Sunday league football rules. You don't pass the ball out from the back directly in front of goal. Because if that ball is one back, you know, and su such a short distance as well, then you've got, your left, you've got your right open. You've got players up the pitch expecting you to actually make a decent run for it. Um, we left ourselves exposed. So the goal was gaping. Neto is only so big. And let's be fair, all it took was a one-two to get round him. Um, what you would do normally, and in any style of football, is if you are going to do that, you're going to pass out to the left or the right, to the wing backs, who will then take the ball forwards rather than play it straight through the centre. And the player you wouldn't pass it to is Phil Billing. Because, like I say, he's better in an advanced position. So I feel sorry for Billing. Neto should know better. But, of course, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake... It's down to them. But we've made so many of these mistakes, Manny. You know, there was the one against Everton, which started that 3-0 defeat. And that has to be one of the most appalling games, you know, I have watched, you know, us play in the Premier League. And that is across mm. all seven, all, well, all six complete seasons, of course, this season as well. That's the worst performance we've played in the Premier League by far. Even worse than some of the heaviest defeats that you've had. I mean, this season you were well, creamed 4-0 by my loss. I think it was, yeah, definitely worse than that defeat. <sighs> okay, maybe the Liverpool thrashing up at Anfield. You know, I've kind of phased that out of my memory. But apart from that one, you can't really pin, I can't really pin you know, my thoughts on any other performance which has been quite as bad. The problem is, 
with Areola is that he doesn't have he doesn't seem to have it in his locker to change the style. And all he needs to do is change it back to the style that we was playing last season. We've got the same amount of players. We've got the same players apart from Jefferson Lerma. And Lewis Cook can play in that role. Okay, yeah, he's suspended for the next three now um, after yep. his moment of madness. And I'm sure we'll cover that off. But the thing is, he just doesn't seem to be able to change it up and go back to that. And what I've been saying all along, you know, and this was after the Brighton game, after the Everton game, and now after the Wolves game, is take it back to what works last season. Because you've got the same players. In fact, you've got a better squad because you've got Milos Kerkes in there, who is definitely a better left back than Jay, uh, Jordan Zamora. You've got the right back, Max Ahrens, who, of course, is a step up on Adam Smith. Um, you've got players in there as well, like Justin Clivert. Um there is a lot of quality in there. You've got David Brooks back. Now, David Brooks, you know, looked fantastic. Now, that was his first start. That was his first start, you know, in a Premier League match. And in fact, you know, for the time that he was on the pitch, he was my man of the match. But mm-hmm. the frustration is not being able to go back to what we was doing last season. All he needs to do is watch a game from last season, you know, or a couple of games from last season where Gary O'Neill got it right. Liverpool at home, for example. You know, we could even say Arsenal away because for, you know, a good hour of that game, Gary O'Neill had the better at the Emirates, which you know, it was no mean feat considering how good Arsenal was at that time. Um, and you look at Fulham, how we changed, turned that game around. What we need to do is go back to that basics. Need to go back to that basics and Iriola might stand a chance. Don't get me wrong. I think that he can go back into what he's trying to implement because, yes, it is more attractive. We saw it against Chelsea and against West Ham. You know, I thought, this is really good. It's more attractive than the Gary O'Neill style. But it's a points-based game. Football, if you don't get the points, you could play the most beautiful football that the Premier League has seen. If you don't pick up, you know, enough points and you finish in the bottom three, you go down regardless. Yes. You know, what's ironic about this whole thing, Craig, is that um, he cut his, uh, man- he sort of made his name really as a manager at Ryan Vallecano after yeah. a stellar playing career with um, Athletic Bilbao and other clubs, of course. Yeah. And a lot was basically mentioned about how he was able to um, secure victories over the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona and also steer the club to um, Copa del Rey semi final positions. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to think that he's he's intelligent enough of a bloke to know that when it comes to playing clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona, who are well known for their fancy free-flowing football, nine times out of ten, or 99 times out of 100, you will never be able to beat them at their own game. Mm. What hurts me as well to see is that 
he just doesn't really seem to realize that you know you can't play this way against every single team and of course with a bass connection because i did mention that he and my manager so cool that is Mikel Arteta were in the same youth team back in Spain the same under 10s team back in Spain I should be specific and uh Arteta has this habit of trying to continue to persist with that same <coughs> inverted style even if it means um picking a few different players he obviously has a huge fetish for an inverted left back for some reason so he saw it fit to send out um, our best left back here in Tierney on loan and has been persisting with a combination of Alexander Zinchenko and um, Takahiro Tomiyasu. He even put some Yuri and Timber in that role and he didn't do too badly, only for the poor fella to suffer an ACL injury, which has ruled him out for several months. Um, hopefully he should be back um, before the end of the season, but we can't afford to rush him. And the worst part is that he uses the same sort of tactics again and again, practically against every single team. And so if a team is able to play um, or for a formation with two wing-backs and three central defenders, for instance, or just have, you know, the um, very fast wingers just um, bomb down the flanks, both Zinchenko and Ben White have been found wanting this season. And Tommy Asu has done um, very well, held up an end. But I think, um, you know, the sight of a right-footed left-back all due respect to Dennis Irwin, but I think for Ireland, Steve Staunton was a better left-back anyway, is that I just don't like seeing um, right-footed players at left-back. I don't sit like seeing them inverted. I prefer the traditional overlapping full-backs who are able to provide support to the wingers and then come back and defend exceptionally well. And Arteta now knows that when you play with a proper something more resembling of a proper back four, because Tommy Asu doesn't cut into the midfield very often like Zinchenko does, you get a little bit more in terms of defensive solidity. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like a my way or the highway approach, and my style has to fit everything. And you can't allow managers to sort of get away with uh, making the same mistakes again and again and saying that they're in a learning curve. In fact, I often say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again, expecting a better result than last time. And I'm not about to say anything derogatory about your manager. Please do not misconstrue that but uh it's here that um Iriola will have to uh make some tough decisions and possibly consider the um uh if not the style he wants to play then definitely at least um you know change change the personnel but now of course he's got an opportunity to pick up a win over a Burnley team which is also in a similar position playing some expansive um football but also weak a little bit weak defensively this has to be the opportunity for Iriola to um you know just tighten things up a little bit be pragmatic i keep mentioning Mick McCarthy he also wanted his teams to play football but he was smart enough to know that they were never going to um win games against the big teams playing that way so if you have to be a little bit more pragmatic um pack uh, pack yourself up get stuck in kill the chief get the three points uh nobody complains at the end of the day and the tone that i'm getting from all of these and fans on twitter who've been coming at you is that you know we still have to back the manager we love the style of football that's being played even if there are mistakes being made people make mistakes but people can't keep making mistakes um repeatedly and um you know we're going to talk about some um, of go go further i don't want to steal your thunder on that but um 
I think it's fair to say that, yes, uh, a slight change of style is needed. He is going to have to do a lot of research on how to um, basically work with, with, with his players. It is quite fair to say that um, within that preseason, he should have had enough time to take a look at the players he had fit and the players injured and judged for himself um, which players um, would be perfect for his system and or how he wants to play. I would say that um, before we come into the issue of the personnel, defensively, there will have to be a few changes. But um, so to come into that, um, do you think there are some changes in personnel which would help? Because I definitely have a few in mind, but you need to make sure that you put your points of view in first. This is your channel after all, you know. I think, I think Brooks needs to start against Burnley. There's no ifs or buts about that. Um, I think on the left-hand side, and this is another player that's had a lot of criticism, is uh, Dongo Watara. Now, I quite like Dongo. Um, he's not the most gifted footballer out there, because if he was, he wouldn't be at Bournemouth in all respects. But, you know, he's fast, he's quick. You know, if he can be taught and, you know, if we can work with him about getting the ball over, you know, he is an asset. And to be honest, under Gary O'Neill, he was very, very good. You know, under Iriola, it feels like he struggled a little bit. I think Dom, you know, you have to play him up front. I think he has to start up front. Uh, Joe Rothwell probably plays the way Iriola wants him to. Of course, he was left out and come on. Um, so he is, you know, definitely somebody. I'd probably play Christie, you know, down the centre as well, with Billing in that more advanced role. Kirkes is fine. Max Aarons is fine. And then you've got the centre-back pairing. And I think Senesi and Benet Zabania, you know, are fine. That, that pairing is probably the strongest. Now, Chris Metham, you know, at the start of last season, I turned around and I said, he's not a Premier League player. He proved me wrong because he actually really stepped up last season. And I think, you know, he deserves his opportunity. But for some reason, Iriola doesn't seem to fancy him. And I would say, take that pressure off Neto. Bring in Radu. Radu is a good goalkeeper. Again, a lot of people have criticised him without seeing much of him. You know, he had a game against, of course, Stoke and a game against uh, Swansea in the Cup. You know, I would give him the run out. The problem is, Manny, and just going back to your earlier point, is that in Spain, the style of football is very much different to the Premier League. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I have no doubt with the right amount, right sort of players, because you look at that Rayo Vallecano side, and I did a little bit more research on them, you know, recently. Of course, you had Radamel Falcao in that side. You had players that could play that style. They played that style over a period of time. Of course, Iriola managed to get Rayo Vallecano into La Liga, um, which again, is, I think, a big, big talking point because it probably is easier and you probably have more time to implement the style that Iriola wants to implement 
in the championship. But, you know, we're in the Premier League. We're, we've spent 120 million. We bought a lot of midfielders, a lot of wingers, to be fair. I think there's a lot of quality in the side. And we've got a better squad than we had last season. But these players cannot play in that Spanish way. And they're coming up against teams like Everton, who are direct, tough, long ball, Sean Dyche teams. You're coming up against teams like Wolves, Gary O'Neill. We know what he, how he plays. You know, again, it was no surprises to me. And I even said before the game, I said, and I said to Talking Wolves, we'll probably play in the style that we've been playing. Gary O'Neill will play in the style that he played with us last season. He did. And we'll get beat 2-1. And I called it. We need to transition back. If we cannot, and Burnley might be a little bit different. Because Vincent Company has got that Burnley side you know, who were playing that long ball Sean Dyche football. And it ended up, well, Sean Dyche left before, of course, they were relegated. But <coughs> Vincent Company completely changed their style in the championship, which you've got more time. And it worked. But is it working in the Premier League? His style's not working in the Premier League either. You know, it works against Luton Town, but Luton Town, again, are in are going to be fighting for their lives like we are. Yes. Um, and I think he's going to have to transition back to something which is a little bit more scrappy, which isn't the Spanish Basque way of playing, because we haven't got the players that Arsenal or, you know, you look at Aston Villa and how well Unai Emery's done. And he's played in this style. and But then again, Unai Emery seems to adapt to who he's playing. You can't play this sort of style of football unless you're Arsenal, or unless you're Man City, or unless you're Liverpool. You know, not even Liverpool can do that. You can't play that style, you know, against somebody like Everton with players that we have got. Maybe it might work against Burnley. But if it doesn't, and he can see it's not, he's going to have to go, right, what do I do to get these three points from Burnley? Because we're coming up against a side that, again, that don't score many goals, um, you know, are a little bit shaky at the back, recently promoted, did do very well getting promoted from the championship. They kind of ran away with it for a while um, before being pegged a little bit back towards the end, but it was pretty much done. We have to and he has to adapt if it's not going our way. You know, don't get me wrong. Real Madrid, Barcelona, they play in the way that Rayo Vallecano play. And this is why when, and in fact, I spoke to, of course, Dan from the Square Ball. And, you know, he was saying that Victor Orta, who was, of course, at Leeds, um, he actually, you know, wants... Iriola to go and, you know, join him at Sevilla. He tried to get him at Leeds. Um, would he have succeeded at Leeds? No, I don't think he would have succeeded at Leeds because he didn't have the players there. Will he succeed at Sevilla, though? I think he probably will. I think he probably will because 
of the style of football and the players already there are able to play that style. Hmm, exactly. And um, I'm glad you spoke about the um, personnel that would need to be changed. Um, it does seem to me, though, that um, the centre of defence, given the defensive weaknesses, you know, Lloyd Kelly started ahead of um, Senesi, I think, in the yes, back. Yes, did. Yeah. And um, I don't know how you felt about his performance necessarily. I mean, he was dropped at the beginning of the season for a reason. Um and then, of course, you had um, Alex Scott um, coming into the team. And I do get what you're saying about how Billing really needs to be a little bit more advanced. If you were to sort of play a basic 4-4-2 with um, Billing and Solanke up top, um, that really would be um, uh, the best thing for him. I mean, Billing doesn't necessarily need to be at Solanke's side all the time, but he gets to play that 10 role where he can be more advanced and also go back at the same time. That seems to be um, working, and that is the formation that um, Gary O'Neill tried to do a great deal. Um, if you were to take this formation from the game, of course, the four-two-three-one, and put Brooks and Tavernier on the wings, um, you, you'd you and move Billing up, then that would be a perfect four-four-one-one or even a four-four-two. But I also really want to compliment you on what you said about Dongo Otara. I do believe that Marcus Tavernier is um, struggling a great deal. He struggled, of course, along with um, Clivert when Bournemouth played Arsenal. And, of course, when Otara and I don't quite remember who came on. I think it was Sinistera who came on, maybe? Yes, Sinistera. Um, uh, I think um, there was a little bit more in terms of, um, you know, uh, there was some solidity and purpose. But then, of course, Ben White scored near the end of the game, and that was that. And um, I think Iriola now has to start being ruthless. And I think Arteta also has started to realize that there are certain players in his team who cannot get away with um, not pulling their weight. And that's why he's, um, you know, dropped them, some of them. I mean, he took away Alec Alexander Zinchenko for the Champions League game against uh, Sevilla, now that you mentioned them, and uh, started with Tommy Asu and didn't even bother to bring Zinchenko on. Now, whether he brings Zinchenko back against Sheffield United, I don't know. In all likelihood, that is what he'll probably do because um, the inverted style, or as I prefer to call it, the perverted style, works a treat against teams like Sheffield United. We um, put up amazing XG stats and play some really silky, seductive attacking football, which is the envy of the Premier League. And then when we try to play that way against the likes of a Manchester City or whatever, or any other big team, we end up getting blown out of the water. And before people come at me and say, mate, you beat Manchester City at the Emirates this season, that was a win where City did play, didn't play um, at their best. They didn't force our goalkeeper, David Rea, into a save. Um, they were, of course, missing um, Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne, which is perfect proof that in as much as they have a good squad, even some of their best players missing can hurt them. And our winning goal was a lucky deflection, this time off uh, former Cherry Nathan Aki of all people. So we can't look at that and say that um, we are, you know, the best team in the country and we're on our way to winning the league because what do we do against um, Chelsea subsequently? We completely fluffed our lines and had to rely on favours. So we're not doing too well either. And tactically, um, Arteta's proving that he's not quite adept at setting up a team, although at least I'll give him credit, his substitutions in theory have improved a bit. But back to Bournemouth, I think 
He's got to sort of uh, consider being a little bit more flexible in his approach. I love how you mentioned Unai Emery. He's become very flexible in his tactical approaches, whether it's um, playing a 4-4-2 or having that be a 3-4-2-1 with um, Matty Cash and Luca Digne sort of bombing up and down. He's in a position where he can actually play, um, you know, um, Cash as more of a winger and uh, sort of, you know, uh, have um, Esri Konsa at right back with two more centre backs in the picture, and then um, that ends up becoming more of a three-four-two-one. But um, they just played against um, AZ Alkmaar. I know it's Alkmaar in the Europa League, and they blitzed them four-one with a perfect four-four-two. So he has the ability, Unai Emery, to um, switch his formation and make sure um, it starts working well. Um, you know, given the opposition as and when. Um, it is required. And so that's what you get when you have a, a manager who is um, exceptionally experienced and who's won a great deal of many trophies. There are going to be some utter numpties, for want of a better word, who say, well, he's just a Europa League manager, a mid-table club specialist. He's never going to hack it with the top teams. Um, he did win um, silverware at Paris Saint-Germain, for those of you who were uh, um, ignorant, although I think, it, especially in the light of um, Luis Enrique's struggles, it's now proving to be not small potatoes after all. Yeah. And um, Emery is also from the Basque country, like both Arteta and Iriola. So with that level of experience, you have to um, think that you will learn a little bit better, uh, learn more. And that's the way it's proven. So I would definitely go so far to say that um, if Iriola wants some advice, he's going to have to try to... Um, speak to Emery more than any, anyone else, more than Arteta. Emery is the one he needs to go to. Um, Emmy Martinez has uh, recently, in fact, today, earliest day, raised him as one of the top five managers in the world right now, and it's very well deserved. Emery was never given the backing that he deserved at Arsenal. I'm delighted that he's striving at Villa. And if Iriola needs to have some uh, confidence and some words of wisdom, just um, ring up um, Emery. He's, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a top bloke. He's also Basque. Pick up the phone, Andoni. You know what to do. And um, another big debate as well on the Bournemouth fan page, according to several of your players, is whether or not club captain ne uh, Morara Neto should, in fact, keep his place. There are some people who were saying, you know, mistakes are being made. And, um, yeah. In fact, uh, this is actually what um, two personalities on BBC Radio Solent have said. Um uh, Chris Temple has said, it's getting harder every week, but because Neto's the captain and Radu's unproven, he's probably, got, he's probably got one more chance against Burnley, and that's it. Neto also has three yellow cards, and um, he might be getting frustrated about some stuff, and there is a real chance that he gets suspended for getting five yellow cards before the Christmas period. So he might come out of the team automatically, so there's another factor there. Um, you do need those senior pros, and you've got to leave him in. He hasn't been very good. We don't even know where he's mentally at. Um, and I think it has been mentioned now, been mentioned, I think I must say this, that his very close family bereavement at the back end of last season was made public. Yes. I wonder if that affected his form. Nobody knows how much it affects him when he's a long way from home. And it's been notable this season how his performances haven't been the same as what they were last season. So... The game against Burnley is far too big a chance to give Andre Radu a chance. And it's interesting here because Jordan Clark has said, neither Neto nor Radu, 
bring in the old pro Darren Randolph. Uh, hasn't played for two years, 36 years old, over 400 league appearances in his career, also a former Republic of Ireland international who was his, one of his team stars in their Euro 2016 campaign. Uh, granted, not many of those appearances came in the Premier League, but Bournemouth are going to need some calm heads, experience and leadership from their goalkeeper, and they're not getting that from Neto at the moment. If they chuck Randolph in, it would be good, but I just don't. we just don't know if he's fit, and because we, because we haven't seen him since he came in. It's a crazy suggestion, but you have to look at the options. If you take Neto out, Randolph has to be the better option than Radu, who has just played two League Cup games. Yes, both of them have been wins, but the big test, of course, for Radu will come in the League Cup against Liverpool. And a lot of people are saying that in as much as Neto has been, um, you know, erratic, it would be a very big call to drop him. Um, we're having a very similar situation right now with our goal with our goalkeepers, including, of course, an ex Cherry and Aaron Ramsdale yeah. and the uh, Brentford goalkeeper David Raya, who we signed on loan. Ever since Arteta's decision to take um, the Englishman out of the firing line and put the Spaniard in, the Spaniard started okay enough against Everton, didn't put a foot wrong, but it started to you know really worry people by looking a little bit wobbly with regard to his distribution and his playing um, from the back. Against Manchester City, he was very, very lucky not to, um, you know, concede a goal by dawdling too long. And when Julian Alvarez came running in and got the ball from him, he ended up blasting that into the side netting as opposed to the open goal. Um, he made one pass to Tommy Asu. I always think that Tommy Asu really should have um, not overrun himself and really looked um, for his goalkeeper. And if he had um, received that goalkeeping pass, that wouldn't have been a problem. But then from there, um, Long scored that. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. And against Sevilla, he very nearly conceded a dreadful goal by diving low to punch it. And he ended up, it ended up mercifully bouncing yeah. all the way onto the top of the net. But um, Arteta has been very public and backing his goalkeeper, saying, I made the decision to put um, Raya in. And he will stay for the foreseeable future. But um, that doesn't mean that he can't be dropped um, again. But a lot of people have made it crystal clear that um, I know that uh, Ramsdale still has a, a special place in the hearts of Cherries fans. Um, but there are so many Arsenal fans who can never really forgive him for getting lobbed from the halfway line against Sporting Lisbon and never, not even saving a single penalty, which dumped us out of the Europa League. And um, in the back end of the Premier League, while he did make a couple of fine saves against Liverpool in the last minutes of Nai Mohamed Salah, he was definitely at fault for goals against West Ham and Southampton and a few other teams. And that cost us as we um, ended up um, floundering. And what angered me personally was that when Ramsdale was making those mistakes, Matt Turner, who didn't put a foot wrong in our Europa League games and our cup games in which he played, and also starred for the US in the World Cup in the middle of that season, was never given a fair chance to show how good he was. And when he did play for us, of course, in, in those games, as I mentioned, he caught everything cleanly and didn't uh, put a single foot wrong. I think a lot of pressure was put on him when he had a bit of a difficult game against uh, uh, Lisbon in the first leg of that Europa League um, round of 16 game. But um, looking back at Ramsdale's performance, I think it's fair to say that I would have stuck with Turner, really. So um, a lot of people said that we needed to strengthen and get a goalkeeper who would be competitive with Ramsdale. And I'm glad that it happened. I just didn't necessarily think that Raya was the best choice. But um, now Arteta's sticking with him. So Iriola has to take a call. 
if he decides that he's going to back Neto for one at least one more game, he has to come out and say it. But all he also has to take the responsibility of going to Neto and saying, you know what, you're still our club captain. We do trust you and we are right behind you. And it's amazing how sometimes those words of confidence can either help or hinder a player. And however, if Neto feels as though he does need some time away, then he's going to have to take a look at his options. It could either be Radu, it could be Randolph. And what's funny about it being Randolph is that, uh, you know, he was brought in to be the third keeper and you and Matt were discussing about how he could be that type of Scott Carson style um, third keeper slash senior pro who could be um, a captain off the field and wouldn't be expected to play very much. But um, now we're in a situation where his experience could come in handy if if he's fit enough. And yet we haven't really seen him play. Maybe he's played a few reserve team games to keep himself sharp. We don't know. And um, I would definitely like to see Dongo Atara back in the side. I think Tavernier needs um, a rest. David Brooks definitely needs to play. And uh, Lewis Cook's suspension couldn't have come at a worse time because we take a look at the uh, bench, for instance. I really can't see anyone who could perform um, the role that, uh, you know, he's um, performing. Um, I mean, Christie could be an option. Christy could, um, Rothwell, or um, sorry, I take that back. Rothwell is definitely there. He could be an option. He, in fact, came on for Scott. And then you might as well bring Christy back in. Okay, I stand corrected. Problem solved. And um, I know that Aaron's maybe a bit of an upgrade on Adam Smith, but then if you need a little bit of um, experience and some leadership, it might not be a bad idea to um, uh, bring um, Smith, uh, to uh, rope Smith in for this particular game and then bring Aaron's on as a substitute later on against Burnley and um, try, just try something and uh, just try and have a heart-to-heart ch- chat with the players and see what can be done from here. But um, things have to change, Craig. Things have to change. I mean, the manager has to sort of be a little bit more flexible. He's got to try and understand what he wants from his players and what he can try and um, hope to um, you know, achieve by making a few, either making a few positional changes or personnel changes and then just show that he's being a lot more proactive. You know what I mean? Yep, definitely. Well, let's let's look at you know the other possible outcome. So if we are beaten by Burnley on Saturday, that'll be three points from ten games without a single win on the board. Um, and although it is very very likely that Sheffield United will keep up their fantastic achievement of only having one point we should be doing a lot, lot better considering that's, you know, we did so much better last season and we've got a better squad. So the question therein lies, where do we go from there? Because I would imagine that Bill Foley will will wield the axe if we are beaten. Um, If it's a draw, I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen. Is a point valuable at this point in time? I don't think so. We need three because we need to start putting wins on the board. After this, we've got Man City and we've got Newcastle. We could then be going a quarter of the, well, third of the way through the season with not a single win and three points. I know, you know, give or take two games, but who do we bring in? Now, I mentioned and I know it's been a bit of a reason for a little bit of comedy between some fans, 
but I mentioned Jesse Marsh. Now, yes, I know that sounds like a ridiculous suggestion. I'm not a big fan of Jesse Marsh myself. And that's what makes it probably even funnier to a lot of people. At the start of last season, I said, I think that Leeds will get relegated because they've got Jesse Marsh in charge. The thing is, he does get results. You know, he beat us 4-3. You know, that game could have gone either way. Beat Liverpool last season. He does get results. You know, don't get me wrong. I don't want him as a permanent manager. But as a temporary, considering we've got US owners, he might be an option and an option with Premier League experience. So that's why I put him in there. You could throw Tommy Tommy Elphick in there or Sean Cooper. Again, neither of them have got Premier League experience as a manager. So that's one option. You know, Graham Potter would be ideal. What's he looking for, though? Is he looking for a Champions League opportunity or a club pushing for that? Is he looking for, you know, European football? He's not going to get that at Bournemouth this season. You know, whatever Bill Foley has said, unless we do a dramatic rise like Aston Villa have, which would be probably be even bigger than Aston Villa's rise if we was to get European football this year, you know, scrap scrap that. So will Potter even be interested in coming? Another name, and I'll bring it back up, from West Bromwich Albion, Carlos Corbran, of course, David Wagner's um, number two when he was at Huddersfield um, and, you know, has done a very, very, very good job at West Brom, considering that there is a lot of issues at that football club. And I think considering the financial issues at that football club and how his hands are a little bit tied, um, would he be tempted to give you know, the Premier League a crack. I think he would. But therein, you know, from what I've just said there, therein lies the problem. Give the Premier League a crack. He's never managed in this league again. So you are picking somebody out who has got experience in the English leagues, but not in this division. Where the hell do we go, Manny? You know, if Iriola is disposed of, do we go back to the continent? for our second international manager. You know, Iriola is our first foreign manager. And, wow. you know, I think the, the problem with foreign managers is, you know, it's either it works or it doesn't. And it depends on where they've managed previously. Now, you could take some, and I know he would, you know, this is going to extremes, but Jurgen Klopp, you know, again, coming in at Liverpool, it's worked because of the style of German football compared to English football. Spanish football is completely different. It's a lot more tactical. It's a lot more passing. It's a lot more possession-based. Um, and, you know, even in the Beckham documentary, you saw how he struggled with the likes of Roberto Carlos, Zinedine Zidane, you name it, around him. That's Spanish football. Um, what, what, what do we do? What do we do? 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think it's fair to say that if the Iriel experiment crashes and burns, going back to um, the continent, as you would say, um, sort of like being drawn back like a moth to a flame would really only set yourself up for uh, more disappointment because, you know... The number of managers from the continent who'd be willing to take a crack at a team like Bournemouth at the States um, you're in right now, very thin on the ground. Um, I certainly wouldn't mind the idea of um, someone like a Carlos Corbin coming in who could definitely steady the ship. Um, if uh, I mean, Jesse Marsh has been mooted as an option, but uh, let's not forget, this is the same person who succeeded Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds United and kept them up, albeit by the skin of their own teeth. Yeah. And yet he was also found out in his second season. One advantage of Jesse Marsh coming in, in is that um, once Tyler Adams is fit, he will form a good working relationship with him. And it could very well be that Marsh might be ruthless enough to take the captaincy away from Neto and give it to Adams, who is, of course, the U.S. Um, national team's um, captain. He was um, captain of the team in that World Cup, ahead of others like uh, DeAndre Yedlin and Tim Ream and others. Mm-hmm. So um, Marsh could certainly be an option short-term, and, and you bet mentioned it perfectly, you don't want to see him there um, for the long term. But then having said that, um, you know, when Gary O'Neill came in um, and did a fine job uh, repairing the damage that Scott Parker um, left and was rewarded with um, a new uh, contract, a new deal, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you didn't really complain. So I think no. results are, are what could end up um, doing the talking. And I'm sure, uh, of course, the football that Gary O'Neill um, played was not really the best looking at times, but it was very effective. You got the points you needed. And it was just a case of, you know, things starting to go a little bit pear-shaped near the end, but by the time you did the job you had to do and you were never going to be in threat of going down. So... um I wouldn't uh, mind Jesse Marsh, obviously, but one more name which um, uh, I wouldn't uh, mind having at um, Bournemouth is someone who, uh, um, in fact, um, actually has a very experienced um, career in management who performed an absolute miracle at Huddersfield Town and yet who was um, disgustingly treated by them along with his assistant, despite being legends at that club in a way. Yep. And from what I've last heard, could very well be free. Step forward, Neil Warnock and Ronnie Jepson. Yeah. And you know what? Wherever they go, they seem to get the best out of their teams. I know he didn't really have a great spell 
last time around at Cardiff. He managed to get him. To be fair, actually, no, I'll take that back. Cardiff, when he got Cardiff out of the championship, nobody expected Cardiff to get out of that championship. But he got them out of there. You know, okay, they did get relegated. But personally, we're a lot better team than that Cardiff team. So what we need to... I think what Bill Foley needs to have in mind is a real... If we get rid of Iriola, and I'm hoping this is what, you know, has been the discussion today. If we get rid of Iriola, what is the plan? You know, like I say, Jesse Marsh was just a suggestion as a temporary period. You know, I think his football is kick and rush. We had Dan from the square ball who went into that. You know, he's not. And a lot of it was his team dragging him over the line, he feels, in that season where they stayed up under Jesse Marsh where he had 12 games. But, you know, I think for an interim period, it wouldn't be a bad move whilst they work on somebody who is probably a little bit more permanent Somebody like Carlos Corbran, you know, Neil Warnock, if he is available and he's happy to come, you know, I would again take him probably on an interim period. But then, you know, and very much like Jesse Marsh, if they come in on an interim period and do a good job, they should get the job. There's people within our fan base, Manny, who, you know, when Gary O'Neill did that job, you know, after Scott Parker was sacked and we went from that Liverpool game all the way to the Southampton game, you know, we was the only side not beaten in that period of time in the whole of the Premier League. And there was people still moaned about him getting that permanently. Yeah, it went a little bit funny after the World Cup, but he picked it back up. You know, and I think a lot of that was down to injuries. But Again, if a manager does a good job in an interim period, they deserve to get the job. And, you know, I asked Dan and I said, you know, who do we bring in? And he said, you had the man. You had the man who would have kept you up again. And I've got no doubt. I've got absolutely zero doubt. And I'm sure, would you echo this with me? Wolves will not go down. Wolves will not go down at all. That's a pretty big call to make. Um, I, I, I see the confidence with which you're saying that because obviously, you know, the likes of Sheffield and Luton are still struggling quite badly. Yeah. Burnley are also struggling. So, you know, you've, I see what you've done there. You've, you've actually, um, you've quite cleverly pretty much said that Wolves won't go down. But you also neglected to um, mention whether they would stay up by the skin of their teeth or whether they'd stay up comfortably. I like what you did there, Craig. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, let, let's give um, Gary some credit because a lot of people have made it clear that when he joined Wolves, Yulin Lopetegui left the club and not through the manager's fault. They were in an absolute mess, really, because of the board yeah. and several of their players had left. Um, you know, four days, was it? Was it four days he had before the Man United game? I think so. I don't quite remember. But, um, you know, when you lose players of the caliber of Ruben Neves, Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore to um, the Saudi league and to Fulham, you know, you're basically losing three players who literally were pivotal to your team's success last season. Yeah. So um, to be able to weather that storm and um, use 
a type of uh, formation which has um, worked wonders. He's had his struggles at the start of the season, but obviously he's been able to learn and adapt. And this is the guy who never used the 3-4-3 formation at Bournemouth. But at Wolves, he's, he's found that formation, and it's worked an absolute treat. Um, beating exactly. Manchester City, securing a creditable draw against the high-flying Aston Villa. And now, of course, um, this uh, win back at his old stomping ground. And also, let me just say, well done to the man. The class that he showed in acknowledging the fans and also crediting the club despite the acrimonious nature of his sacking. Um, top, top fella. If I were in his position, I probably would have looked to have said, uh, that's what you get for sacking me. Do not let a good thing go. But um, he didn't want to rub it in. He loved the fans too much. So well done to him. But without digressing, if Gary O'Neill can show the ability to adapt and also find a formation that suits the players he has at his disposal, there's no reason why Iriola can't. And that's the problem, though. When you have players who have been brought up in a certain way, um, I mean, who, who sort of um, cut their managerial teeth and been influenced in a certain way, rather, as managers, it's very difficult for them to change. And Arteta has no experience at all. He learned what he um, um, had learned by being um, Pep Guardiola's assistant. He was able to secure an FA Cup win with Emery's squad, but since then hasn't really accomplished very much. And before people talk about the second place finish, um, we are going to be remembered years from now as having performed the biggest bottle job in Premier League history. So that is not something of which to be proud. I was gutted when we lost the league in 2003, despite being ahead uh, for some ways. We could have won a historic second consecutive league and cup double, and we couldn't quite do that. But this was much, much, much worse. And if you take a look at how um, Unai Emery has been able to evolve as a coach, despite um, some of the setbacks that he's had, Arsenal, of course, being one such setback, you know, you take a look at him and say, that's the example to copy. And that's why I'm telling Andoni, pick up the phone and dial Unai, uh, the Sultan of Unai, as the Aston Villa fans call him. And um, he can at least give you some advice on how to go about things. And mm -hmm. uh, that, that really is the only um, thing he can possibly um, do right now. Because you have, a, you have a situation right now where someone like Andoni really doesn't have the confidence to... I don't know if it's necessarily stubbornness, but it's also the sort of confidence. Because when you decide to change a style... It's not going to be easy, and there will be some uh, pushback, some teething problems, or what have you. Maybe he doesn't feel as though he can do that, but he has to make some tough decisions now. He's got to be brave. And when he's taken up a job like this, you know, sometimes you've got to um, be brave and stand on your own two feet. It's a lesson that Unai Emery will know very well, and um, that's why Emery would be the best person to talk about it with. And um, it's... Um, it's it's sad really to see to see the club going going through this sort of phase, and I think it's fair to say, as you and I can both agree, that the way in which um, you know this ambitious step was taken was certainly yeah. not done the right way. And as far as Graham Potter is concerned, look, he went to Chelsea, who were in the Champions League, and ironically, he did um, the club did well in the Champions League under him in the group stages, but then came a cropper in the Premier League. They started losing far too many games, so I think it's fair to say that he won't be looking for a big challenge at this time soon. And for the work he did at Brighton, on yeah. which Deserby is expanding, his value lies best in taking up. Um, the reins at mid-table teams, but not teams at the extreme ends. 
So if you were to put him in charge of a Bournemouth team, um, he probably would um, feel as though he'd have full reign to, you know, really change everything, um, completely shake everything up and sort of um, try and want to assert himself as a means of trying to make up for that Chelsea debacle. And personally, I just don't know if he's necessarily ready. If he were to accept the challenge and say, you know what, I, I wouldn't mind coming down to the South Coast and managing you lot, um, well, good luck to him and good luck to you. But um, I think as an interim, I wouldn't mind Jesse Marsh. I think if you were to call up Neil Warnock, who I'm sure has a pretty good relationship with a certain Henry James Redknapp, um, yep. there's no reason why Warnock wouldn't say no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no reason why Warnock would there's no reason why Warnock would say no. Double negatives. Freudian slip. Pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, well, final thing. Well, t two final things, really. Um, the final thing on the Bournemouth perspective uh, that I wanted to discuss with you is there has been a lot of criticism of Neil Blake and Richard Hughes in all this process. Oh, yes. Now, of course... We have this now, and this never happened when I was younger and when we were younger, where, you know, the manager was responsible for bringing in the players that he wanted and getting rid of the players he wanted. Now, Richard Hughes is in charge of the recruitment effectively at the football club. Um, Neil Blake is the CEO who makes all the, you know, does all the financial side of things as well. Now, I've met them both. Both very, very nice people. Now, one thing I would say is that a lot of the R fan base are saying that these two people, Richard Hughes in particular, needs to go for his recruitment. Now, I disagree with this because you look at what he's done throughout the leagues uh, and you look at what he did You know, we, when we was in the championship. Ben Pearson, he got in for peanuts, and he was a pivotal part in us getting back into the Premier League. Yeah, don't worry. He did, you know, he, uh, uh, well, don't make no qualms. He wasn't good enough for this division. But at the same time, it's what the, it's the players that they've bought in on the cheap and done some good business. Now, they've got some big money now behind them, and not every sign is going to come off. But do you think it's unfair to actually start pointing the finger at these people? Or do you think it's really just deserves because they've got this, because lo and behold, you know, a lot of people say it's Richard Hughes's decision to have actually got rid of Gary O'Neill and put in Andoni Iriola. It's a tough one, really. When I think of the uh, top brass on the board, I only have to look at my own. Um, glass house and take a look at how the likes of um, Edu and uh, company have pretty much um, mismanaged things in terms of player recruitment and finances or what have you. So I'd be tempted to say count your blessings. And here's the thing about um, the actions from the board. Yes, they were fantastic in terms of being able to get the club from the uh, championship to the premiership, but you know, as well as anyone else, Craig, that the uh, Premiership is a doggy-dog environment and there's no room for sentiment or, you know, past glories. 
And the decision by Richard Hughes, there is a part of me that will always believe that um, Bill Foley was the mastermind behind sacking um, Gary O'Neill because obviously he wanted to see the club become more ambitious. My big issue is if um, the intention was to, you know, keep um, uh, Gary O'Neill only to, until the end of the season and hopefully once, um, you know, football had been secured, get a new manager then O'Neill should never have been offered that new contract. Okay. It's very easy to say that, um, you know, um, O'Neill ended up deserving to be sacked because of the uh, poor run of form that the club had at the back end of the season, which would have been the difference between um, seeing the club finish as low as 16th or 17th and finishing a little bit higher up in the table. But, um, you know, when you have, um, when you've got the job done and done effectively well, you know, O'Neill is the type of manager who would certainly have looked back on that season and reflected well on the good that was done and the bad that was done and uh, have built on that. But to take that away and just um, uh, put somebody in, it's um, it wasn't a decision I believe that was very well thought thought through. If you want to have that sort of a paradigm shift, it's got to be a shift that sort of goes throughout the entire club and that doesn't just simply mean changing the manager it also means making sure you get the um, players that he wants to um, form a part of the system and fair credit to them they've recruited decently well with the likes of Max Ahrens who of course was highly rated Justin Kloivert was a star back in the day and still definitely has a lot to offer uh, Tyler Adams um, has ill luck would have it has been injured but once he comes back to fitness I do believe that he will slot into the Bournemouth team and play uh, and do a good job for you guys and several other peer players. But, um, you know, you've got to have some players who are willing to play the Iriola way. And I mentioned that, um, we mentioned Emery, he's been willing to bring some of his players in, like Torres and Zaniolo and several others. Yeah. Last season, obviously, he was handed an absolute mess by Steven Gerrard when, um, you know, the, Liver the Liverpool and England legend left. And, uh, I mean, was sacked. And um, he turned the club around well enough and knew that um, had it not been for uh, some mistakes and maybe his own defensiveness, they possibly would have qualified for the Europa League or even the Champions League because they weren't too far off those places, mind you. But he's since set about, you know, um, really rectifying those mistakes magnificently. They've uh, risen to... Um, the top of their Europa Conference League group, although Legia Warsaw, I think, have overtaken them due to their head-to-head -head record for now. I think um, Legia is still playing with a few minutes left. But um, no, it might be stoppage time over there, I think. Mm. But, um, you know, that is sort of the way you've got to do it. And you don't just simply um, make that big of a change without trying to really do things holistically. And that's what really worried me a great deal about that change. I know several people, including a good friend of mine, Steve Mahala, uh, um, you know, from his channel, NFTV, of course. And uh, he was the one who was saying... Uh, given that he follows a lot of La Liga and European football, that it is an excellent, was an excellent decision. But, um, you know, people like me who are a little bit more pragmatic and conservative would like to think that when it comes to something like that, you can't just um, rush into that. And it's, it wasn't for nothing that um, Elvis Presley said, only fools rush in. And uh, I'll just be brief, I promise you, I'm sorry. Um, so they do deserve some criticism right now. Mm -hmm. And they should be given the confidence to at least try to turn it around. But if things don't go too well, then they're going to have to take a look at themselves and say, you know what, maybe things didn't go 
um, uh, may go the way we want, and we've got to carry the um, um, carry our share of the blame for that. So that's sort of the way it is, and we can reminisce about um, the, the the excellent work they did, but also accept that when it comes to the here and now, they just weren't, weren't quite able to make it happen. I mean, Eddie Howe left Bournemouth after you lot got relegated, and it had to take, um, you know, ironically Scott Parker and Gary O'Neill to bring you back up. So the wheel of time goes around. It, it is what it is. One thing that it really bothers me, me with modern football is when Arsene Wenger joined Arsenal, he was able to bring in the players he wanted. Now, oh, yeah. there is no, and whatever anybody tells me, there is no way Andoni Ariola went, you know what? I've been watching a lot of Bristol City last season, and I've seen this guy called Alex Scott, who played for Bristol City, and I think I'd like to bring him to Bournemouth. And this is the biggest irk I've got, because what Iriola should have been done, what should have happened, is when Iriola joined the club, he should have said, who do you want, Andoni? Who do you want us to bring in? You know, because Alex Scott, you know, and I'm happy with that signing. I'm happy with that sign, but it's a good one to actually pinpoint, you know, Dongo Atari, you could say maybe you knew of him or, you know, Justin Clover might have known of him, but you can't tell me that he knew Alex Scott. Did he know about Tyler Adams? Possibly not. Um, so this is the problem. These head of recruitments are putting these, bringing these players in and the managers just got to make of it what he does now you know if a player plays up you know you saw it on the Beckham documentary when Alex Ferguson wanted rid of David Beckham he was the person who made the decision it wasn't anybody above him or head of recruitment or anything like that yes chairman used to get involved if you know it was a cash-strapped club who were you know offered a ridiculous amount for a player and, you know, if it is, and God rest his soul, you know, if it's to be believed, Bill Kenwright, you know, when uh, Manchester United come calling in for Wayne Rooney, you know, he made that call. That's what, you know, of course, at the time was understood. But you can't, you know, Man United didn't need to sell David Beckham to Real Madrid at that point. They got tons of money. They were the richest club in the world. You can't turn around and say to me that, you know, Andoni Ariola knew who Alex Scott was, you know, and it's, this is the problem is I feel that, you know, Richard Hughes should have asked him who was on his list and gone and got those people. And that is the way potentially of changing that style. And maybe, you know, I'm sticking up now for Andoni, in a sense. Maybe he hasn't been given the players that would have made this job easier. I completely agree. I completely, completely agree. And I'm glad you mentioned Wenger, because obviously Wenger was smart enough to know that he couldn't just uh, muck about with some of the more established players that he had in his team. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the players, of course, who had achieved... Um, plenty of success under George Graham in years gone by. 
the back four in particular was pretty much a no-go. But he also realized that um, in the likes of um, Paul Merson and Ian Wright, he had players who in the long run weren't um, able to be um, a part of his system. I believe he also had David Platt coming in at around about the same time, who was coming to the end of his career. And I'm delighted that the uh, former England captain was able to end his career with a League and Cup double with us. I don't know if Platt um, was on the bench for the final or played. And... Um, or he, um, he played, but um, I will find out very sooner rather than later. But, um, yeah, so Wenger obviously had uh, things working for him, but he also had the sense to know that um, there are some things that he uh, didn't want to change, and he was able to work um, brilliantly with that. And, um, yeah, that, that is the way you've got to go about it. You're absolutely spot on. You've, if, you, if you put your confidence in the manager, you've got to make sure the manager has his say. And that's exactly what Spurs did with Antonio Conte when he came in to replace Nuno Santo at Tottenham. But the following season, they ended up, you know, buying too many players, several of whom Conte didn't want. And the season ended up, um, you know, going a little bit pear-shaped for them uh, in comparison. So I think it is, um, yeah, and I'll just confirm that David Platt did actually come on as a 62nd minute substitute for Christopher Rett. So he did, in fact, earn an FA Cup winner's medal in addition to a Premier League winner's medal, and I'm delighted for that. But, um, yeah, so so managers always have to be given the confidence um, to know that they will be back, but also make sure that they get the players they wanted. Um, I, would like, I would like to think that, um, you know, um, Ariola might have been consulted with maybe one or two, but... Uh, and obviously, of course, given that Adams um, was a star for the U.S. at the World Cup, there's no way that Iriola couldn't have seen him and how he performed. Just such yeah. a shame that the American um, ended up uh, getting injured himself. So, yeah, the whole thing with Bournemouth just smacks of being, um, you know, just um, ham-fisted and um, hastily done. And it just uh, didn't. Uh, it just doesn't really feel... It, um, it, it just doesn't really feel um, as though it was done really uh, methodically and professionally. And I think a lot of questions will have to be um, answered. It was just, it was very hastily done. And, you know, a lot of people are probably going to say, no, it was right to hire him, but you should have um, done more with the, um, in terms of trying to get the players that he wanted. And um, it just, uh, I think, all, all I can say, all I can say, is that it, it looks rather messy, and I, I, I only hope that Bournemouth will be able to recover from this. Mm-hmm. I think you know as well. Just going back to the point, I think managers need to be given that more that flexibility that Wenger enjoyed and Alex Ferguson enjoyed. Because you know, don't get me wrong, it's on a different scale. Because when Wenger went into Highbury. You know, he had the likes of Nigel Winterburn. He had Steve Bald. He had um, Tony Adams, Lee Dixon. He had David Seaman in goal. He had that real core quality. You know, Andoni Iriola has got, you know, players that are of a decent standard, but a team that, you know, he's walked into who've just survived relegation. So I'm not saying that anybody, you know, I'm not saying that Richard Hughes should lose his job or, you know, I'm hoping Iriola can turn it round. That would be the, you know, desired outcome. But I think 
everybody needs to change. I think Richard Hughes needs to be able to turn around and say, look, I'm no longer going out and just picking the players I want. I need to consult with my manager and bring in the players that he wants to play his style to bring that club forward. You know, i got to be honest, um, Gary O'Neill managed that very well. But, you know, he's no longer here. So Iriola should have been able to bring in a couple of players from Rayo Vallecano. And to be honest, I even picked out a couple of players from Rayo Vallecano that I thought, you know, would be good. You know, when I welcomed on um, from Union Rayo, um, are, you know, the, the, one of the presenters there. So, yeah, I think, you know, really that covers that point. So I think Richard Hughes, Neil Blake have to adapt. Good guys have to adapt, you know, whatever happens, you know, over the coming weeks. But I tell you what, let's move away from Bournemouth and let's cover one last big thing. You probably know which way I'm going because this has been announced today. The Premier League have suggested that Everton should be deducted 12 points. Now, this is a, you know, and tell me if I'm wrong, Manny. Mm -hmm. This sets a very dangerous precedent because Everton, I understand, are guilty of one charge. Now, if you deduct them 12 points, and Jamie Carragher even said it about Man City, what happens with Man City when they've made 115, they've got 115 charges? Now, those charges probably aren't going to come into play that this season. So they're probably going to get away scot-free out of that. How can you punish Everton, but not Man City? And then, you know, when you open up that book, because Everton have been done, and Everton, I've got to be honest, they would be well within their rights. And do you know what? This is bad, horrible timing, considering Bill Kenwright has just passed away. Um, Rest in peace, Bill. But, you know, I think if you, Everton would be well within their rights to turn around and say, well, West Ham's done that. Or, you know, Chelsea's done that or Arsenal's done that. I'm not saying any of these teams have, but, you know, they could even say Bournemouth. Bournemouth's done that. And the Premier League, you know, if they are doing things the right way, have to investigate all of those. What are we going to do? You know, are we going to deduct every single team 12 points? Because I'm sure there's most teams in the Premier League are guilty of something. Yep, 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 yep. And that is the problem. If um, Everton, uh, you know, if if they have the book thrown at them and City do not get much more than a slap on the wrist, believe me when I say this, there will be hell to pay. Yeah. Believe me when I say that um, a lot of fans are going to really start losing faith in the whole Premier League institution and start to say, you know what? Why, why should we have to put up with this? Why should we be in a situation where, you know, the rich um, get away scot-free and the poor end up bearing the brunt of the justice system? It just isn't right. And so if you are going to punish um, one team, you've got to punish everyone. Why they see it fit to go after an Everton team that have been in crisis for a long period of time, 
I really, um, you know, can't understand it. If you are going to do that, then you are going to have to look at several clubs who have indulged in financial impropriety over the years, as you've said, as you've said, Craig, and make it one rule for everyone. It's as simple as that. So I wouldn't necessarily have any qualms seeing Everton get punished um, for their crimes if they are indeed found guilty. You know, we have to um, uh, live up to that. But have that same system for everyone. Make sure that everyone gets it. Make sure that the biggest repeat offenders are, you know, given the harshest of punishments. Back in the day, um, although this isn't related to financial impropriety, um, I do believe that the Marseille team that um, were dominating uh, their league and Europe at the time um, were found guilty of trying to influence a match in the uh, league uh, season around about that time, which ended up playing in Marseille's favour as they went on to win the league. And because of that, um, it led to um, several um, heads rolling at Marseille and they were you know, um, demoted from the uh, uh, from from the league uh, all the way down, and they had to fight their way back up. Uh, we all know about the struggles of Rangers, of course, um, due to their own situation. They were put in administration and were t taken completely out of the football league, and also had to work their way back up by being called Newco Rangers. And then, you know, the long winding road back up was um, daunting, but eventually they got back. But um, any kind of impropriety has to be punished. And what the clubs do after that will be up to them. I know that a lot of people will probably take a look at Manchester City and say, um, seeing them go from the depths of uh, League Two to back to the Premier League is um, you know, the stuff of dreams. So I think it was the uh, second division then, which would have been the equivalent of League One, if memory serves yeah. me right. And so to come back to the Premiership was wonderful only to then get relegated and then come back and then end up securing their position. And then, you know, with the um, the money coming in and the, the silverware rolling in, it was, you know, um, light blue heaven. But it just goes to show that success like this, if it's, um, if it's earned in the most in, in, in involving impropriety, It'll come at a cost. It'll come at a price. And then what happens then? Mm. So in a nutshell, Craig, we've got to be consistent with everyone. We can't, um, the Premier League are smart enough to know that they cannot simply be seen uh, going after a club like Everton who haven't had success in a long time and have been in crisis for a long time and then giving the big clubs at the top um, a slap on the wrist. If it means possibly, you know, um, falling out of favour with the owners who might end up taking some very harsh legal action and seeing the saga get, drum, um, get drawn out, you know, so, so be it. A lot of people have been saying that with the UK going through a lot of tough times economically, it's the um, Arabs who've pretty much been bailing us out, whether it's, you know, buying up football clubs or investing in real estate or business um, in the UK. Um, why we saw it fit to get um, leave the European Union, I will never know. But yeah. um, that can be no excuse for allowing this sort of impropriety to affect the league. And, um, you know, we need to make sure that um, teams follow the rules. They start to, um, 
you know, respect everything. And I'm willing to even say that even my club, Arsenal, might not be um, innocent in this because under Wenger, we were always a, um, a tight ship financially. But some of our dealings um, in the last few years have been questionable, to say the very least. So we're going to have to take a look at ourselves as well. But um, let every single club feel the full force of the law if they're found guilty and let the system work for everyone. That's what I say. The question there on lies is how far do you go back? See, this is this is the danger that the Premier League have put themselves in now, you know, and this is why, you know, say, for example, it needs to be from a point. Of course, Man City have got away with a lot. Um, you know, there's been teams before that that have got away with a lot. Um, the last points deduction Premier League, of course, was for Portsmouth. Um, I think there's only been two uh, deductions in the Premier League. Um, Blackburn, I think, uh, didn't attend a game at, at Middlesbrough, if I'm right in thinking, all those years ago. But Portsmouth, of course, was financial as well, like Everton's would be. But it's how far do you go back? What do you do with teams that have been relegated? What Some of those teams, you know, are in crisis. Now, if you are going to punish somebody like let's throw it back to Derby, Wigan, Reading, Sheffield Wednesday. If you're going, if they're seen of doing, you know, breaking rules all those years ago, what do you do about that? Because of course those teams are already in trouble. So there has to be, this is why I think this Everton situation has to be handled very, very, very carefully because it is going to set a precedent, isn't it? True, but where there is a will, there is a way. And retroactive justice is always a very difficult, um, tricky sort of thing. Um, but, you know, retroactive justice is still justice. I mean, mm. you know, away from football, you and I obviously both grew up um, watching Jim will fix it on the telly. And yeah. uh, we all considered um, Jimmy Savile to be a national treasure at the time. He was knighted and then he sadly passed away. But it was really only after he passed away that rumours of his improprieties were brought to light. And when they were confirmed, he deservedly, you know, I mean, posthumously, it must be said, had the book thrown at him. I think he had his knighthood taken away from him. I don't know. Yeah. But um, uh, he pretty much had a lot of his um, privileges um, pretty much um, taken away. So retroactive justice is still justice. And... I know I sound a little bit, um, you know, um, fanciful in a way. I realize that I'm too idealistic. For, that's the word I'm looking for, idealistic. But, um, you know, the fact that clubs may be in trouble now should not really um, excuse them from uh, having to face um, the, uh, the full force of the law if they are also found guilty of those breaches. And it just goes to show that as any sort of a club, you can't um, – um, in, engage in all of this um, tomfoolery or impropriety and expect to um, get away with it. And sadly, it's tragic, um, Craig, but the smaller the club you are, the more your name's going to be under the microscope and the more likely you are to be read the riot act. It's disgusting. And if City, City have been found, I mean, have they've had 114 charges against them, and if they are found guilty of every single one of them, then yes, they should definitely be taken to the cleaners. And as for the clubs that you mentioned who are in trouble, the likes of Wigan and what have you, you know, you feel for them in a way, um, given their current plight, but you also have to accept that the um, wheels of justice um, move around. 
Again, call me idealistic, but that is really what I believe in. And the fact that Rangers were able to come all the way back up from their depths is perfect proof that there is no um, challenge too big that it can't be overcome. I think the worst that can happen could be that um, in lieu of all of this, um, the clubs that have been affected could very well end up having to go into administration. It might not happen to City necessarily, but um, some of these other clubs could very well um, do that. And it could very well take Herculean efforts to um, bring the clubs back. I mean, you take a look at what happened to Wimbledon. They also were beset with troubles. I believe AFC Wimbledon yeah. came into the picture. But now Wimbledon have been, um, you know, regenerated, resuscitated, and it's as if everything has been um, forgotten. Um, I'm not underestimating how big a body blow it would be to have these clubs um, severely um, punished, retroactively punished, um, be, it, be that as it may. But... Um, you know, it has to happen. We have to take these steps. We have to start realizing that um, regardless of situations, the integrity of the game is always the most important thing. And if it means having to go all the way back and uh, take this action, so be it. Very true. And to be fair, for any of those clubs struggling, you know, even clubs that have never been to the Premier League, you've just got to look at ourselves and even more so now, Luton Town, who, you know, of course, joined us in the Premier League this season and we're on minus 30. We was on minus 17, got relegated out of the Football League, spent five years there. I think it was two playoff finals before getting back. And look at what a run they've been on. So it can happen. And they've been managed very, very well at the top. So it goes to show. And uh, do you know what? There's so many... I say that the championship is a like breathing ground for all these clubs that have struggled and there are all the clubs that are in debt, but there is some well-run clubs in there as well. Millwall, for example, I know that not many people like Millwall, but Millwall, very, very, very well-run football club at the top. It goes to show that it does work. Preston, another one, you know, so sometimes doing things the right way does pay. But I think that's probably where we should end it um, this week. What do you reckon, Manny? Your call, mate. Your call. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get a result against Burnley. Hopefully next week, for that too. when we come on here, we're not discussing a new interim manager. You know, I really do want it to work for Areola. Um, you know, a lot of people said that I want Iriola sacked. You know, a lot of people on Twitter have said that. I don't. I don't. I want it to work. But the longer this goes on, you know, and you take into account, you know, the next two games it, after Burnley, you know, if he's still in charge, it'd be unf- it would be unfair to sack him after Man City or Newcastle. You know, then, of course, we got the likes of Luton, Sheffield United. That might be the time. But then again, do you want somebody in charge that can get... Because those are the games we have to win, Manny. Those are the games yeah. we have to win, aren't they? So... Absolutely. You know. And um, look, I'd like to think that the uh, Burnley game will probably provide a little bit of relief. But um, even if it does, and only can't afford to rest on that 
and neither can um, the uh, the team. So we'll just have to um, watch and wait. And I'm also hopeful that it work that it will work out for Andoni in the end. I do. Um, I would like to see it work for him, but um, you know, a lot of changes are going to have to be made, and we're going to have to see if he is brave enough and ruthless enough to make those tough calls. Yeah, definitely. Well. We will be back here next week, no doubt. Uh, Manny, I'm sure you'll be joining me. Of course, mate. No second invitation required. Excellent stuff. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Remember to hit the like, the subscribe, the bell button, do all that, leave your comments, um, and we shall see you in the next one. But thank you again, and see you next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.